great, great, great. Awesome, awesome. All right, cool. All right, thanks, Howard. We'll get started then. Yeah, all right. All right. Well, welcome to Wild and Free, a Battleborn podcast. This is Jacob here, as always, with my co-wrangler, Allison. Allison. Hello, hello. What's good? Everything, man. (laughs) I made uh, twice roasted baked potatoes with my brother out here in Indianapolis. It was fabulous. And pasta. Was that your dinner tonight? Uh, Yesterday. Okay, okay. Yeah, but we've been cooking up a storm. How about you? You know, things are not, things are good. I have not been cooking like you, though. Uh, I do have a plan tonight to make, don't, don't get too excited, hot dogs for dinner for myself. Oh, that's exciting. So this is, this is my, my dinner tonight. So I'm I'm excited for it though. I have, Uh, I have some good hot dogs. So it's not just your average hot dogs. I have like, you know, fancy, fancy, fancy hot dogs. No, no, no. I like the theme. Very all-American. And it's a good segue into introducing our host, right? Yeah. So we uh, are very excited um, today to have Assemblyman Howard Watts, who is a member of the Nevada Assembly from District 15. And Howard and I go back uh, a few years now because we met during Camp Anytown, which is a wonderful youth development experience um, that... Uh, just so you're aware too, Howard, that Rico is on our, our short list for things once we get off of the COVID-19 topics is to have Rico come in and talk about camp as well as some of the, the students that have been through camp. So, Oh, that's great. Yeah, glad to be here. Thanks for having me onto the, uh, onto the pod. Awesome. Very excited. Thank you. <laughs> All right. So, um, you know, as our listeners know, Howard, and as we've talked about, you know, we're focusing on COVID-19 related topics now. Um, you know, as an uh, elected representative here in the state of Nevada and someone who is just generally well-versed and knowledgeable about what happens in the state, um, we wanted to have you on to talk about, you know, some of the things that are going on uh, as far as um, in the state to provide some relief to both businesses and workers and people here in Nevada. Yep, absolutely. Glad to be here. Um, You know, I uh, have been doing a lot of outreach to constituents uh, in in District 15, which I represent. So uh, I've got a lot of uh, firsthand accounts of some of the struggles that folks are having. And um, that has allowed me to figure out some of the information and resources that are most in need. Um, And we also, you know, I I think in so many areas, this is a rapidly changing situation. And um, I know as policymakers, uh, we're and elected officials. We're trying so hard to move quickly to meet the challenges that are coming up. So, uh, and you know, by the time folks even listen to this, some of the information may have changed. But I think right now we have some good updates that we can share to get out in the community. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Most definitely. Great. Well, excellent. We'll jump right on in. Uh, we've got some questions. Um, uh, my first question, though, before we get into kind of our meat, uh, is uh, so District 15. For those who may not know, where is District 15 located here in Southern Nevada? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so District 15 is kind of in the central east part of the Las Vegas Valley. Uh, you know, the districts are never easy to describe <laughs> rectangular shapes, but uh, kind of the major boundaries are Charleston to Flamingo, and then Maryland down to Boulder Highway. Um, you know, some of the some of the jewels of the district uh, include the historic Huntridge Theater, the East Las Vegas Community Center, the Winchester Dondero Cultural Center, 
um, and then in Boulder Station. So. All right. Well, you got two huge fans of Winchester Dondero Cultural Center. So Allison and I are. Yeah, and I used frequent. to live in. I used to live in Howard's district. You did. I did. Yeah, I got a um, hand. Uh, what do you call it? When someone signs something in person, handwritten note from um, from Howard, letting me know all the bills that he was involved in, how he was representing the community. Um, just a wonderful guy overall. I've moved out of your district, Howard. Uh, missing you, sorry. I know you're missed. You're missed here in the district. So, <laughs> well, uh, hopefully, I'll be back soon. I'm still in contact with a bunch of your people and follow you actively on Twitter. So I know what you've been up to. Good. <laughs> But uh, so actually today, uh, Friday, May 15th, Governor Sisolak announced that, um, or Dieter, correct, announced that uh, gig workers and self-employed people, often called 1099 workers, will be able to file finally for unemployment. This is correct, yes? Yep, that is correct. So uh, the system officially goes live tomorrow, May 16th, uh, that's Saturday. And uh, to file, folks can go to employnv.gov, and that's where they'll be able to file their claims. Um, there's also some answers to frequently asked questions, but uh, it's a pretty broad program. So if you are a 1099, if you're self-employed, you have your own small business, um, if you're doing Uber, Lyft, or other gig work, uh, this is now uh, where you'll be able to file for, for unemployment. And it will cover if you've completely lost all of your income or if you've just seen a major reduction in your income because your work, your clients, et cetera, have, have dried up or decreased. Uh, you'll be able to file for unemployment through this platform. Uh, just to be clear, it is a separate platform. Uh, website and process from norm, the normal unemployment uh, system. Uh, and it's going to have its own dedicated uh, helpline and call center for people that have questions. Um, basically, um, in order to file, uh, you're just going to want to provide some information that shows how much income you were bringing in previously. And that's how they will determine the benefit amount that you're entitled to. And then if you can also provide anything that shows how your income has declined recently, uh, whether it's you know smaller invoices or, or uh, pay stubs or anything like that, that will uh, help get your claim processed. Great, thank you, thank you. Yeah. That is really good to know. Um, and it's good to know too that it's a separate separate process and has a separate call center because I know that that's been a, a concern for many people for sure. Yeah. yeah. Yep. And um, actually, so yeah, the, the call center number is 1-800-603-9681. Uh, um, so if you're running into any issues with, with using the website to file a claim or something comes up that you don't know the answer to, uh, you can call that number and get some some information. Awesome, great, thank you. So when we're thinking about um, you know folks who are maybe still employed um, but are concerned about their health um, and safety, uh, what sort of protections um, you know are in place or, or are you working to put in place uh, for you know employers who are refusing to go back to work because of their fear of, of not being protected. 
their health and safety being protected? Yeah, that's a great question. It's one of the things that we've been trying to figure out how to address. Uh, and I think there's still a little bit more work to do. So when we entered kind of the phase one of the reopening uh, for our economy, we put in, the governor put some things into that order to require that employees have face coverings. Uh, they strongly encourage customers to have face coverings. Uh, so we are starting to have some things to make sure that there's a, a level of personal protection going on in those workplaces. Uh, of course, there's also the reduction in capacity. So any restaurants that open have to be at 50% uh, of their, their, their maximum capacity. So that usually means that tables are either going to have to be taken out or closed off so that there can be more social distancing. Now, in terms of where that uh, personal protective equipment comes from, it's that's not quite as clear. So, you know, some employers have been really diligent and proactive in getting personal protective equipment and setting up processes for their employees to help keep them safe. Others been less so. So uh, in those orders, it doesn't directly say that it's the employer's responsibility to provide it, but it is the employer's responsibility to make sure that people have it. And so if they have trouble accessing it, that ultimately that's the employer's responsibility to make sure that before they come on the clock that they have the, the protection that they need. Uh, what I would say is that, you know, if anybody that uh, has concerns that they are not getting the personal protection that they need um, should please reach out and you can reach out to me. Um, my email is howard.watts at asm.state.nv.us. Um, but you can reach out to anybody in the legislature or the state government and let us know, um, you know, if we don't know, then we can't do anything about it. But as we find out that it, that there's issues, we can get in touch with those um, businesses and we can, can work out a solution so that people are protected. And the one last thing that I'd say on this particular point is a vulnerable, um, high-risk population. So um, we've, we've already got it defined. You know, anybody that is immunocompromised, um, one of the major... Uh, factors for that is diabetes, anybody that has heart or lung disease, um, folks that are over the age of 65. Um, these are some of the categories of people that are at high risk for serious illness and complications if they contract uh, COVID-19. So, uh, and, and I've talked to some constituents who are currently unemployed or on furlough and are really concerned about being called back into work um, and being put into an unsafe situation. So right. what the governor's orders have said is to provide the maximum possible accommodation. So in the case where somebody's work can be done remotely, um, that should be done. The other thing is for people with uh, childcare needs, they've, uh, the governor's order specifically asks for some flexibility in scheduling so that people can get their childcare needs met. Mm -hmm. um, now, I understand that some jobs uh, can't be done remotely. So I think that uh, employees need to be really clear in letting their employers know uh, that they are at risk and ask what, what can be done in that case. And so 
you know, it may mean deferring the, the amount of time that they come back to work for a little bit uh, until we hit kind of the next phase and make sure that we've got things a little bit more under control. Um, there's, there's a lot of discretion in there, but what, what's really clear is that we want the employers to work with the employees um, to, to keep everybody safe and to not put folks at risk. So again, if there's an employer who is being kind of pushy and trying to get folks into a situation where they feel really unsafe and that their, their health is at risk, they should, they should please reach out um, and let somebody in, in state government know uh, or local government even, so that we can we can address it. I know that not just me, there, there are a lot of folks that are committed to making sure that everyone's health and safety comes first. So the key thing that I, I think I wanna reiterate is reach out by, by any means. Um, Allison mentioned Twitter, I'm on there. You know, uh, a lot of us can be reached on, by social media, by email, by phone. Um, and you know, especially for for a lot of our state officials, there's no there's no go between. It goes straight to us. It goes to our inboxes. You know, it comes up on our phones, on our computers. So, um, if anyone's having uh, an issue with with their health and safety, they should reach out. And I do know a couple of people. I think that already experienced situations at work, and I think they filed a complaint with OSHA, and they're currently processing it. Um, I wanted to know if you have any information about uh, paid sick leave and family leave. If either you are are um, feeling symptoms, or you have someone in the household that possibly could have been um, exposed. Yeah, that's a great question. So in one of the uh, the packages passed by Congress early on uh, to address the pandemic, there was a national paid leave policy put into place. And um, I can look it up and, and get some more details on that. But in the meantime, I also want to mention that the Nevada legislature uh, became one of the earlier states in the country to pass a paid leave uh, policy in 2019. Uh, so it applies to any business that has 50 or more employees, um, which covers, uh, it, while so many small businesses are, are not covered under it, the vast majority of workers are. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the paid leave policy started as a sick leave policy, but we realized that it needed to be and made more sense to be flexible so that it did not require a doctor's note uh, in order to be taken advantage of. So people can use this to care for themselves, to care for loved ones, um, if they feel symptomatic, et cetera. So the good news is that our uh, our state paid leave policy is, is pretty broad. And um, I can uh, look up a little bit more details on exactly the rate that it accrues and what is in the federal uh, uh, leave policy as we continue the discussion. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Thank you. Yeah, that's really, that's really great. Um, so uh, kind of our last uh, question on workers, um, you know, we, we talked a little bit about the new changes with the 1099 gig workers, um, but as far as other individuals who are struggling with unemployment or filing for unemployment, um, you know, 
what's on the horizon for them and then what do you recommend they do if they're you know still struggling to to file or access those benefits absolutely this has been the number one issue that has come up from constituents that i've talked to um thousands of people have been struggling to get their claims through um either they've been hung up initially and they haven't been able to get that initial claim through or there have been various flags or holds put on. Uh, one of the most common was around pending deductible income. So unfortunately, um, in the rush to make sure that everyone that was eligible, we wanted to encourage people to, to file for unemployment. And so a lot of folks who were being put on a, at least a partially paid furlough they filed and uh, got a hold placed on their account until their pay ended. And unfortunately, the, those holds ended up staying in place. So then weeks would go by without um, any benefits actually flowing to the, to the individuals. So mm -hmm. the unemployment, um, the folks at Dieter are aware of the, of the issue and they've been working on coding and other changes so that, um, you know, frankly, it's, a, it's an unprecedented situation. Um, the volume uh, that we're receiving has just been through the roof. And so even with tripling staff and bringing on, you know, call centers to assist, uh, the old way of doing things where we go through case by case mm -hmm. and talk to people and, and look at the documents and clear the cases, uh, it's just, it's not working for folks in a timely manner. So they're looking at some uh, bigger changes that help get benefits flowing to people right away mm -hmm. while they, and then they can go back and make adjustments as needed. So that's one of the, the things that if folks are still waiting and struggling, hopefully uh, th these changes are going to reduce the strain on the call line so that if you still have uh, an issue, You'll actually be able to get through to somebody and get it resolved. Um, and hopefully for a lot of folks, you won't have to go and wait on the phone because your benefits will start flowing. Mm -hmm. So um, that's something that you know, I'm, I'm really excited about. In terms of if people are still uh, struggling or have questions, reach out to your state legislator. Um, you can go to the legislature's website, which is leg state.nv.us and you can contact you can find your legislator um, there's a link on the homepage. you can put in your address and find your state representative which i think is a great idea of course we have elections coming up so this is a good opportunity to connect with those folks but you can contact anybody in the legislature and we can connect you with our constituent services who can get the basic information about your claim um, and make sure that uh, the folks at unemployment are aware of the issue uh, and can resolve it. But again, there has been a there has been a significant backlog in the amount of time that it's taken people to get responses just because of the the unprecedented volume of of people that need to file for benefits. Right. Sure. sure. So, Howard, moving on to uh, businesses and small. Uh, uh, 
small business owners. I've heard from a lot of people, like a lot of restaurateurs that applied for, for example, the PPP loan. And they've told me about challenges that there it's been there's certain limitations, right? That if you receive the loan, certain percentage of that has to go towards paying for your workers' salaries. And there's this question of about rehiring them, but what if the what if we have to close down again? And you know, that money isn't going towards things like um, the shields and laminating menus and everything. I wanted to know like what have your constituents told you about some of the problems and challenges they faced when applying for the loans and what are some of the the limitations that people have told you they've um, they've confronted so far? No, it's a great question. Uh, honestly, one of the biggest problems that people have had with both the PPP loans and the idle loans, the uh, economic injury loans, um, mm -hmm. has just been getting them through and getting them processed. So with those first, uh, those kind of um, emergency loans that were run through the, directly through the Small Business Administration, people would submit an application and then they wouldn't hear back and then the application changed and so they submitted it again um and um you know with the ppp loans the initial round of funding was quickly exhausted so um we you know congress had to allocate some more funding to it i have a feeling that we're going to have to go back and put some more funds into all of those programs um, when congress considers the next uh aid or relief package. Mm -hmm. So that's been, I think the number one thing is, uh, number one barrier has just been if folks don't get those applications filled out first thing and try and get to the front of the queue, the resources are running out. Mm -hmm. um, there also have been a lot of issues with the, for lack of a better term, the strings attached. Um, you know, I think there's a lot of concern with those, those PPP loans you know, people want assistance. They don't want to take on a bunch of debt at a time when, right. um, you know, the reason that they're applying for that is because their income stream is gone. Mm -hmm. So that's not exactly the best time to take on debt. So uh, those PPP loans are forgivable for certain things, especially for primarily for maintaining payroll um, and some of the other very, the core expenses for the business. Mm -hmm. Um what I would say is if people have questions about that, there are a lot of places that they can go. Um, you can go to a, a chamber of commerce and it doesn't matter if you're a member or not. Uh, all of these, these organizations understand how important it is to help businesses right now. So they have a lot of resources that are available and they can an help answer some of those questions. Mm -hmm. Of course, the small business administration itself, you can go directly to, um, you know, especially if you have a smaller bank, they've tended to be really responsive. Mm -hmm. um, if you're with one of the larger banks, it can be harder to, to get through. Um, but outside of those, I would say, you know, our local chambers of commerce, we have the, the Las Vegas chamber, which of course is the kind of the largest here in the Valley. There's also uh, the Henderson chamber. And then there are some smaller chambers, the Latin chamber of commerce, mm -hmm. the urban chamber of commerce. Uh, you could reach out to any of these organizations and they can help answer some of those questions and, and provide some guidance to help you navigate that process. Mm. Mm. And great. if I could get on my soapbox just for a moment, because I have been following this at a um, national level. And what I was hearing going back to like local 
local banks and like local relying on local institutions is that uh, like for and also transparency right around who got the loans like we know that roots chris and shake shack got you know 10 million dollars but other than that right. we don't know who else received the funding but one thing that i heard was that um you know chase or bank of america or whatever like they were giving their vip clients special treatment and they were helping them fill out all the documents and everything but if you were like you know joe schmo or jacob murdoch at chase like you were just put on this list and you know nobody was going to come around and help you out but it was the local banks that when you had a direct relationship with someone at a local level and you know they interact with you on a regular basis every single month they're like sure jacob i'm going to walk you through this so right. again just kind of like a throwback to um our local banking institutions and also just you know how shitty the system is for small business owners too right yeah it's really hard and you know so i i have uh first of all i'm a small business owner and so i've been keeping an eye on a lot of this myself to see what i might be eligible for and and to get information that helps me um both make decisions for my business but also for for public policy Mm -hmm. So I, uh, my business account is with Nevada State Bank, and uh, I've been really impressed. They have called proactively just to check in and see how things are going wow. and, you know, do I need anything? How are things, you know, so that it's been, that was really impressive uh, mm -hmm. to me. And, you know, one of the things that I've heard is that different banks have had different interpretations of an existing relationship. So for some, uh, and I think some of the larger banks, it was the definition of an existing relationship to kind of get that help with going through the PPP process was that you already had a loan through the bank. Mm -hmm. I think on some of the smaller banks, you know, for me, I haven't had a business loan, but I have a bank account. So mm -hmm. um, for some banks, that's good enough. And for others, I think there's been some questions there. So um I'm always a big advocate of uh, supporting uh, local banks. I think now, especially with the networks for ATMs and other things, uh, yeah. it's easy to to support your local bank or credit union. Um, and I think that they really do, they're able to just provide a lot more customer-centered um, mm -hmm. services. Not to be, not to disparage the big banks, there's, room for everybody but I, I love I, I love my small banks yeah yeah I know within the first two weeks I've been a one Nevada credit union member for a while now and they called you know someone personally called me and just was like hey how are you doing you know are you working is there anything we can help you with which just floored me that was that was not the call that I was expecting at all from my bank definitely not expecting that and I mean that's just I'm just a individual you know account holder I'm I don't have a business. I don't, I, you know, don't have a loan with them. It's just Selling out the, the Benjamins, right? I am or they are. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Send them my way. Right. So Howard, we've, we've talked about the, the small businesses, um, but obviously we know here in, particularly in Las Vegas, um, you know, our largest employers uh, are large corporations. Um, you know, is there anything you can talk to us either about what's coming from the federal level or on a state level to help out, you know, our hospitality businesses, you know, gaming institutions, that sort of thing, where so many of our, you know, fellow friends and neighbors are working? Yeah, that's a great question. And of course, you know, the 
a lot of these uh, programs were targeted to try and reach some of the smaller businesses. And there was also, I'm sure you guys have heard, but there was also a lot of um, issues because previous programs run by the, the uh, SBA exclude places that get significant revenue from gaming. So not only was that an issue for, you know, actual casinos, including small, the, some of the smaller local places, but I mean, you know, this is Las Vegas. We've got slot machines in the convenience stores and the grocery store and right. in the, uh, you know, the neighborhood bar that, uh, you know, those things help bring in revenue. And if, it, if, if that goes over a certain point, uh, those businesses were not eligible to get some of that assistance. So that's something that I know our congressional delegation has really been pushing on to make sure that we look at businesses as businesses and remember that those businesses have employees. Right. Um, and so that everyone is, is getting treated kind of the same way. Uh, you know, it's going to be tough. Uh, I'm not going to lie. This is, you know, the last recession hit us really hard because we, were growing so fast. And so we had a lot of speculative uh, real estate stuff going on and we had more houses built and there was actually the demand to support after all the kind of um, risky purchasing <laughs> went away. And now we're facing the situation where, you know, due to the public health issues, you know, there's gonna be impacts to tourism and hospitality that I think are going to last longer, right? First of all, that's that's what people use their discretionary income on. A lot of people are not going to have discretionary income for a while. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, in addition, you know, social distancing on airplanes is going to be difficult. Social distancing in stadiums and concert venues and all these other different areas are going to be are going to be tough. So. You know, our our economy is going to be hurting because that is the the main kind of driver for a while. And I think that is the challenge that all of us are trying to figure out how to navigate. I know that those companies are trying to figure it out. We're trying to figure it out. Um, you know, one of the things that I will say is that they've they've really been the, the, the resort industry has been kind of on the forefront. Right. Um, if we think back to um, around, I think, March 15th, which feels like uh, when you say it and you look, this is May 15th, right? It was two months ago, exactly. Right. It feels like two years ago. Yes. Um, but you know, uh, th they led the way as soon as they knew that people, there were some people that had uh, been infected that were, that were on the strip, they shut down because um, they didn't want to put their employees at risk. They didn't want to put um, their customers at risk. And we can't have the reputation of being a place where thousands or tens of thousands of people came for a good time and, and ended up getting gravely ill. Right. So um, I think that they're also, th those same folks are trying to figure out how to be on the forefront of, of reopening and doing that in a way that is, again, safe for for customers and for employees. Uh, and we're just trying to figure out what we can do to to support folks in that. But it's it's going to be tricky. Yeah. 
Well, and, and speaking of large drivers of uh, employers and drivers of the economy, like I look at Silicon Valley, right, and who's doing things right and who's not doing it right, like Elon Musk, right, against orders of Governor Newsom opened his plant in wherever the heck in California, right? But then you have like mm-hmm. Facebook and Google who are saying probably we're not going to, if you can uh, if you can work from home until the end of the year, like you should contemplate doing that. And so like there's talk about them instituting on their campuses, like antibody testing and stuff like that. And like contract tracing and stuff like that. Like, do you see something like that occurring on the casinos or small, you know, downtown businesses? I do think so. I think some of those large businesses are definitely going to lead the way in terms of um, monitoring guests, monitoring employees, uh, making sure that, yeah, there's some of that um, stuff to try and identify people as soon as they're starting to get sick to keep them from from uh, infecting other people. Um, you know, I think doing doing some of that contact tracing, um, you know, they're the resorts already have a tremendous uh, security and surveillance infrastructure to catch cheats and thieves and all kinds of things. So um, I think they're they're well positioned to do some of that that contract contact tracing work. Um, so I think that we will see them kind of lead in making sure that folks have protective equipment, that there are some of these processes in place to help keep things um, from from getting out of control. Um, we just need to be able to have enough people uh, come back so that people can go to work. Right. Right. Yeah. Good point. Most definitely. And that's, I think that's going to be the big, the big issue for us and every other tourist economy um, in the country is, is that comfort and trust. Um, and hopefully the, the, our, you know, resorts and gaming companies, particularly the large ones on the strip have kind of shown that they do care Um and, you know, are proactive and, you know, I, I like some of the statements that have been released already from some of these companies who are like, you know, we know we're not opening yet, but do know this is, this is what we're going to be doing. So you should feel comfortable, you know, staying with us when you come back to Las Vegas. And I think that hopefully will go a long way. Um, yeah, absolutely. Cause, uh, you know, we don't want to be the control group, right? No, no, we do not. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for that. And I appreciate your um, very, your candid responses in the last couple of weeks in response to um, our batshit crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, we we are we are seeing what happens when people use magical thinking and they think that uh, they're different and uh, that science doesn't apply to them and that if you let you know, I, I've heard this from multiple people. Oh, if we just let all the restrictions go, people, everyone will make smart, reasonable decisions and it'll be fine. And we have seen people crowd in with reckless abandon and we have seen uh, the rate of people getting sick skyrocket. Um, so we've got enough examples in other places around the country and around the world of mm-hmm. uh, what those control groups look like. And, you know, I think everybody here, um, in, well, okay, not everybody, <laughs> but the vast majority of folks here in, in you know, our major employers, our elected officials are committed to putting people's health and safety first. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. yeah, most definitely. 
So, um, Howard, uh, we know that you're, you know, running for re-election and, and we are going to be very, very hopeful and and believe that you will win. Um, so the next question is kind of about what your uh, what your priority is going into the next legislative session. If there's any specific legislation you may be working on or or hope to work on um, with this upcoming session. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, you know, again, this is something that uh, I had a lot of different ideas uh, three months ago. And so now I think one of the things that is really um, motivating all of us and um, we're trying to work out is how do we adjust to some of the things that are coming out of, of this pandemic? Um, and there's so many things to that, right? It's how do we build an economy that is more diverse so that we don't get hit worse than any other um, state or municipality in the nation because, you know, I, I, is tourism and hospitality always going to be a, a core of, of our economy? I think so, at least for the foreseeable future. But can we also diversify that a little bit more, broaden it out a little bit more so that we're not hit as hard? I think so. And I think we should figure out how we can move in that direction more. Mm. Um, you know, obviously we're facing revenue and budget issues and people need um, support and services that the government can provide. Um, and we have to figure out how to fund those. You right. know, Nevada is a balanced budget state, so we can't take on a bunch of debt um, and run a deficit to, to fund things. So we have to figure out in order to keep our budget balanced um, as we lose a lot of revenue, it comes to basically three things. The traditional things are make cuts or increase revenue through some taxes and fees. There is one other thing, which is relief from the federal government. So we've already gotten some to help with the increased costs due to COVID, but uh, we need some more that uh, is kind of less restricted to fill the budget holes that we're already starting to see. Right. Just for this fiscal year that is, is ending in June, we're looking at at least $700 million uh, missing from our budget. Wow. And our rainy day fund that we put aside to help deal with things like this only has a little more than 400 million in it. Mm -hmm. So you can already see that we're, we're uh, facing some tough times and we really need some support from the federal government. That's something that I hope that folks, regardless of, of uh, party, regardless of your position on, you know, kind of the role of government that we can all come and say, Hey, we need this assistance to help make sure that we can continue to, to keep um, our government operating. Mm -hmm. um, right. So, you know, how do we deal with public health and emergencies moving forward? Um, you know, there, how do we, you know, make sure that um, people have clean air so that uh, they're not at risk from, to, from the complications of this disease? There are so many things that, that uh, I think you can look at that, are amplified and magnified, you know, even with unemployment. How are we, how do our kind of social safety net programs that were designed around employees, how do we modify and adapt some of these things for self-employed and gig workers and figure out ways that people can still retain that freedom, um, but also that we don't just say, well, it's on you to, 
set aside money in your savings account uh, for for you know unemployment and health insurance and all these other things and you should have a a nest egg right. for you know however many months in case of a recession right we need to figure out something that uh, different that works for folks so those are things I think that are spinning around in my head and, and a lot of other people's heads. Uh, I'm really passionate about environmental and conservation issues. I think that, um, again, with seeing some of the links between climate change, between the pollution that, is, that causes that, and also uh, causing uh, and exacerbating lung disease and ailments, and how that puts people at especially high risk to complications from, from this disease, uh, from COVID, I think there is more of an imperative to, to act on those issues. So that's something that I was thinking about before, and I am still really committed to working on water conservation, another thing that's critical for Las Vegas and for Nevada um, to sustain us into the future and to do it in a smart way. So, uh, you know, I could ramble on and on. I, <laughs> One of the reasons I ran for this because I love all the different issues that the state works on, but right. those are some of the things that that have me um, up at night is thinking about how we deal with this and and adjust our policies to deal with you know any future pandemics and the fallout from this um, and the, the things that it's raising, as well as working on some of those conservation and sustainability issues. Yeah, Bravo, awesome. Howard! I mean, yeah. you're to the choir right here, uh, 100% agree, 100%. Uh, first of all, like this, this should not be a, this should be a nonpartisan issue, right? And right. I think if anything, COVID-19 is just showing that this country was failing many, many people, 99% of the population, and that things like healthcare, right, like should not be reliant on your employer and um, child care, right? Even all the money in the world will not get you someone, a nanny to go take care of your children. So services mm -hmm. that, um, these are services that we all need. You don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Um, we have shown um, that the way the way that we live in this country, there is no support system. There, right. there aren't any savings in place and we have to invest mightily in these um support systems right so no we thank you for that i appreciate that so much um and if and we could go on and on about that but um i wanted to end <laughs> on a lighter note and just like um we've been talking about businesses in town and supporting them jacob and i are very anxious when if and when it is safe to go out we're looking forward to going to a couple of local bars and restaurants i'm curious to hear what uh you're excited about visiting once once we're all able to oh that's such a good question um so let me start with the the typical politician response that focuses on all the great places in Assembly District 15 that I'm <laughs> going to go to first and foremost. Um, Excellent. And uh, it is there are some really great spots here. Um, one of my favorite bars in town is Starboard Tack, and yes, they <laughs> oh, have fantastic... from my house, walking distance from my house. I know. So good. Um, great food. Um, so, and, and they did, they closed down completely. So oh. as soon as they open back up, I'm going to be down there to support them. Mm. Um, I've been supporting Los Tacos from time to time, um, which is uh, probably my Excellent. favorite, favorite taco spot to go to. Um, and they've, they've kept their, their drive up, uh, drive through window and everything going. 
There's a breakfast oh, place called Excellent on DI and Eastern, Ooh. and it's super good. Highly recommend. I don't know if they've been open through uh, the pandemic or not, but uh, I'm, I'm definitely going to be making a stop down there. And then, you know, uh, I'm a really big outdoors person. I love hiking and backpacking and camping and all those things. And mm -hmm. I've been following the recommendations that we keep our recreation close to home. Yeah. So I haven't been doing those things. Um, but uh, the second I think it's responsible to do so, I'm going to try and get out and beat the heat, go to play someplace a little bit cooler and do some, some camping, hopefully by a lake or a stream or something. And, uh, and, and, just unwind that way. I, uh, one of my colleagues in the legislature created a virtual run challenge called the quarantine quartet. Steve. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. Steve Yeager, um, Assemblyman Yeager created this challenge and, uh, we, uh, it was the first weekend you ran a mile, the second weekend you ran a 5k, the third weekend you ran a 10k and the fourth weekend you ran a half marathon. Wow. So, uh, <laughs> So that's, that's one of the things that I've been doing to just uh, exercise and recreate and found some nice uh, trails to do it on. Um, but first of all, now that I've done that, um, I'm not looking to run another half marathon anytime soon. And, <laughs> it's um, very intense, yeah. Yeah, uh, so I just ran my first one ever. Um, so I'm proud of that and nice. I, I'm looking forward to some, some time between the first and the second, we'll just put it that way. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I would love to uh, take a walk through the woods instead. Yeah, I'm right, th right there with you on that one. I'm, I'm excited for that, that time to come for sure. So Howard, how can our listeners uh, find you? Uh, social media, um, I know we'll, we, you gave us your, your um, email address, so we'll make sure to put that in our show notes. But how else can our listeners find you? Yeah, absolutely. You can uh, follow me on Twitter and reach out to me at Howard Watts NV. Uh, you can find me on Facebook at Watts for F O R Nevada. And uh, in addition to my email, you can also reach me by phone at 725-222-3201. And again, uh, no, there's no, uh, assistant. It, I'm the one that picks up when you call. So, uh, it's always fun when constituents call the number that they see on a mailer or something else. And, and they're like, Oh, I'm looking for some women Watts. Like, yep. Uh, hello. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, sir, it's me. Yeah. <laughs> Tell me. Yep. That's awesome. Well, Howard, thank you again so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. Um, and it was great to see you. I know it's been a while for me since I've seen you. So it's always good to see your face. Hopefully it'll be in person next time. Yes. Looking forward to it. Thanks for having me again, guys. I had a thank good time. Of course. Thank you. Well, this has been Wild and Free, a Battleborn podcast. I'm Jacob, as always, here with Allison. Allison. Allison, who's the rest of our team? We have our producer, Jose Sotelo, research assistance by Ashley Pacheco, creative design by Berta Gutierrez. We have the dog at the den of descent and a little one called Sebastian, who is starting to eat solid foods. It is almost his first birthday. We're so happy. We miss him. We miss him a lot. We want to see him in person soon. So that's our team. Yeah. Well, awesome. Well, thank you all. Have a great one and yeehaw.
Jadi apa?